If you have your Bible, turn with me to Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. Now, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you why you're finding that, in case you're looking for it somewhere. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I've, I've got a little bit of Pentecostal in me, okay? Uh, if you haven't seen that already, it just, I married one, it rubbed off, or, I mean, you know, and... Um, and still married to one. I need to make that clear. But anyway, uh, well, she's Methodist now, Methodist. But but the thing is, is that um, uh, you know, there's certain times that songs minister in ways that a sermon just cannot. And there, that, amen. Music can do that sometimes. And so uh, I, 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 I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, I got a little happy over there this morning. So if you ever see somebody just running by, uh, just leave me alone. I'll be okay. And, um, and, and I'm just having my own little Holy Ghost fit. But anyway, all right. But I about did that this morning. Praise God. Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. Verses 25 through 37. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? And so he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all of your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. But he, the lawyer, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a certain priest came down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise a Levite. When he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, He who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, for the inspiration of it. And now, Lord, we pray that it will speak to our hearts and our lives in such a way that we will be challenged, that we will be changed, and that we will never get over it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we are continuing our series called I Love My City. Uh, like Pastor Kim said, we hope to have more t-shirts next week. So we want to get you a t-shirt before the end of this series. And they are free. Uh, uh, now, anybody, we never turn down donations if you want to throw one in the white box. But anyway, uh, but we do, these are provided for you. And we want you to wear them out and about and let people know that we love our city. 
And then we need to do things that let people love, know that we love our city as well. And we've talked about that Wilmington is a great place to live, lots of good things, but there are some challenges. Just a few stats that we've been sharing that, that talk about the challenges that we have. Uh, one of those is that Wilmington received a D-plus grade for safety. D-plus grade means the rate of crime is higher than the average U U.S. city. I did see a report yesterday in the City Magazine saying that crime is going down, though, from 2020 to this time, from this time last year in 2020 to this time uh, from up to now. And also, that's good news. Um, uh, Wilmington is in the top four cities for, in, in North Carolina, the top four cities in North Carolina for sex trafficking, human trafficking. We are, and most believe it's because we are a port city uh, and that we have easy access to I-40 and I-95. And I know we got a lot of uh, teenagers in here today. And just be aware, just be aware, be aware. That's all I'm going to say. Just be aware, all right? Um, just watch out. Uh, and not trying to scare you, just out of concern, be aware. Um, overdoses have increased in North Carolina since the pandemic hit by 36% in North Carolina alone. And then also Wilmington still holds as the highest, uh, uh, the, it, it has the highest opioid abuse rate in the whole country. 11.6% uh, uh, of individuals suffer in Wilmington area from opioid addiction, and that is probably just the ones we know about. And so we know that that is a real thing, and it is still happening and a challenge that we have. Now, here's the thing. In order to love our city, we have to love the people of our city. We have to love the people of the city, whether they're inside the church or outside the church. We are called to love our people, the people, and, and so that's what that means. Now, we've been talking about our values here at Pine Valley. We know our vision is connecting hearts to Christ and one another, and, and so our values are what, how we live out our vision, and the four values that we've been talking about um, is our excellence in worship, engaging spiritual formation, extra mile caring, and expressive faith sharing. And we started uh, two weeks ago with, with excellence in worship. Uh, we talked about how that whenever we provide, whenever we worship, and whenever we show the worth of God, that's what the word worship means, showing worth in God. Whenever we do that, then we are showing that God's a priority in our life. We're, we're reminding ourselves of the power of God to transform lives. And then we are inviting others into the presence of God. Now, I'm going to tell you something. That's where transformation takes place is in God's presence. Amen? Amen. And uh, that's what worship is. It is, it is uh, a growing awareness of the presence of God in our lives. And so that's what we want to see in our lives. And so we, we were looking at that. Um, then the next week we talked about, this past week, we talked about engaging spiritual formation. And uh, we talked about we need to be spiritually formed because there is spiritual warfare that we're going to engage in whenever we try to help this city and whenever we try to reach out. Uh, the enemy is not going to like that. And there will be spiritual warfare that we will come up against. We need to be formed for that. And we need to be able to endure. And we need to be able to pass our faith pass this faith to the next generation. And so that brings us to today, extra mile caring. Now, if we had to kind of define extra mile caring, we would kind of say that it's missions, 
ministries and congregational care that cares for folks inside and outside the church without looking for something in return. In other words, it's saying we are going to care for people inside the church and outside of the church whether they, never, whether they ever say thank you or not. We're going to care for people outside of the church whether they ever step a foot in the church or not. We're going to care for people whether they ever send a thank you note or wherever they ever, whether they ever acknowledge it. We are going to care for people. Why? Because Jesus wants us to care for people. Jesus' heart broke over broken people and our hearts should break as well. And so that's what we want to see and that's what we want to do in this city. So I, want to, I was thinking about what, what would best illustrate what this means. And I, and I came to that story, I kept coming back to that story, the story of the Good Samaritan. And so we're going to look at it this morning. And what does the story of the Good Samaritan tell us about extra mile caring and loving our city? Number one, it gives us the why. The story of the Good Samaritan gives us the why. You know, we always need a why. I mean, how many of you, your kids have ever, you've told them to do something and they, they why? And, then, and, and you know, what I, I like what the best answer is, is because I said so. Amen. They don't always take that the best, but anyway, but that, because I said so. But why? But we have the why. Jesus gives us the why in this, service, in this story. Look, look at Luke 10, 25 through 27. And behold, a certain lawyer. Now, this was not like a lawyer that takes your case when you have a speeding ticket or something like that. This is not one of those. This was a religious person teacher of the law, okay? Uh, like, nobody gets tickets, right? But anyway, but this was not that kind of lawyer. It was a religious teacher of the law, kind of like, you know, a seminary professor or something like that. But anyway, and behold, a certain lawyer stood up and, te and tested Jesus. Now, that was the first mistake right there is trying to test Jesus. But anyway, tested Jesus saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, what is written in the law and what is your reading of it? And so he answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. So even the law all the way back teaches us that we are supposed to love our neighbor. Love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbor as ourselves. And if you look at the Ten Commandments, the first commandment, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, kind of takes care of the first four Ten Commandments, and then love your neighbor as yourself sort of takes care of the next six commandments. So that's why Jesus was always able to say, this is what sums up the law. These, this is the great commandment, and it sums up the law. And so we're supposed to love our neighbor because Jesus said to, God said to, all the way back in the law. It's not just the New Testament. Testament thing there. It, it, it's all the way back in the law. We are supposed to love our neighbor as ourself. But then Jesus even takes it farther in his ministry. Because in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, look at what it says there. And remember, this is the night whenever Jesus, uh, they're in the upper room and Jesus washes the disciples' feet. And in those days, I'm going to just go ahead and tell you, there weren't pedicures out there. There, won't, there. there wasn't the kind of lotion that makes your feet all nice and smooth. No, no, no. These folks had some bad feet. Amen. They probably smelt. They probably were dirty. They were probably crusty. You know what I'm talking about, those toenails. That, but anyway, but, um, but, but, and Jesus kneels down and washes them. 
I mean, he washes their feet. And then he gives them a new commandment. He says, I want you to even take that great commandment. I want you to even take it farther. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you love one, if you have love for one another. And so he's saying, I'm taking it farther. You know, the great commandment says, love your neighbor as yourself. I'm ta- the problem is we don't love ourselves that great sometimes. Amen? And what I'm afraid of is if we just love our neighbor as good as ourselves, then, then, then we may not love them the way we should be loving them. And so Jesus says, a new commandment I give you, love your neighbor or love one another as I have loved you. And then, of course, the next day he goes to the cross for them. That's what kind of love he's saying, that we should love each other with a sacrificial love of neighbor. And so that's why we need to care, because Jesus has commanded us to. That's the why. Then he gives us the who. Look at the who. So then comes the question from this person of the religious law um, in 28 and 29. And Jesus says to him, you have answered rightly. So whenever he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, Jesus says, yep, you got that right. You have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. But then he, the person of the religious law, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, well then, who is my neighbor? Because you see, The religious leaders in those days, they had their own ideas of who a good neighbor was. And it was those that looked like them, those that act like them, those that followed every rule like them, all of that kind of thing. And listen to what Jesus ends up telling them. He ends up saying, I'm glad you asked. And he starts telling them the story of this man who gets beat up, robbed, left beside the road. All right, there's these robbers, these bandits, whatever. They come by, they beat this guy up, they leave him there. He's bleeding, he's wounded, he's starving. He, he, he's, you know, I mean, take, they take everything he has. And Jesus says, now, by chance, a priest comes walking by. Now, you need to understand who the priests were in those days. Those were the religious holy people. That would have been... Uh, the pastors of the day, which I know we're not that holy sometimes, but anyway, but they were seen as holy. I mean, you know, they were seen. They 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 were seen as that, and and because it was, and in fact, a high priest, the high priest was the only one that could go into the holy of holies once a year and make sacrifices for everybody's sins. So priests were looked at as pretty holy dudes back then, and yes, they were only dudes back then. But anyway, um, uh, I know that's. Not right. But anyway, so the, um, right, Kim? But anyway, so, but, but just always trying to get some points there. Amen. But anyway, the, um, uh, but anyway, so this priest comes walking by, and it says that he passes by on the other side of the road. Now, see, I think we somehow have in our mind that this was like a highway, like some big highway like Shipyard Boulevard there, where you have to play Frogger to get across the road. And, and, but it's not. It's not. It was this tiny path, and literally... The priest, to walk right by this guy, would have almost had to step over him. So that's pretty bad. Now, I don't know if the priest had to get the Bible study, you know, had to get the uh, potluck Wednesday night supper, you know, whatever it was. He had, but evidently, he thought he had more important things to do than this guy that was hurting on the side of the road. Then a Levite comes by. 
Levites during those days were the worship leaders. So it'd be like our praise band and praise singers up here, the worship leaders, choir, choir directors, and musicians. Uh, that's what the Levites, they were the ones that would bring worship uh, and lead worship in the temple and all. And this Levite, who was supposed to be this guy that was always ushering people into the presence of God, walks by this guy. I mean, I reckon he had to get the praise practice or choir practice or instrumental or whatever it was, you know, and, and just had too much to do, had to go practice his harp. I don't know what, but anyway, um, he, he walks by and does the same thing, almost steps over this guy to get by. Neither the priest nor the Levite, the religious folk, neither one of them stopped. But then comes this Samaritan. And a Samaritan during those days were like big-time outcast. They were seen as, as religious. Uh, not, they, weren't, they weren't seen as Jews. They weren't seen as the religious Jews. Uh, they were seen as religious half-breeds. That's, that's the best way to describe it. And because they had married into, with the Syrians and all, and, and they mixed with pagan rituals and things like that. And so, in fact, there were rules out there and laws out there that a Jew could not even associate with a Samaritan. Why do you think things all blew up whenever Jesus went to Samaria and talked to the woman at the well who was a Samaritan woman? Because that was like a big no-no. But in Jesus' story, it's the Samaritan who becomes the neighbor. It's the Samaritan who's the hero of the story. The unlikely one. The one that wasn't like them. And he is the neighbor to the one who was in need. It gives us the who. It gives us the who of what Jesus is called. See, here's the thing. We are called to be neighbors to everyone in need. Amen? We are called to be neighbors to everyone in need. And the third is this. It gives us the how. Gave us the why, gives us the who, and then this story gives us the how. Look at what happens, verses 33 and 34. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal brought him to an end, and took care of him. Folks, I'm going to just go ahead and tell you. The one, when, when God is, what he means by caring, and extra mile caring, it means doing likewise. And I love, Levi Lusco, he, he, he sums it up like this, what the Samaritan does, the how. He sums it up like this. He, first of all, he took notice in other words, he saw the man. How many times do we just ride by and we just don't even see folks anymore? You know what I'm talking about? We just don't even see folks anymore. I'm not just talking about folks that may be panhandling, that kind of stuff. I'm talking about folks that are in our own family, that are struggling with addiction, that are doing things. We've just kind of got so used to it that we don't even see it as a problem anymore. And we need... We, we, have to, we have to take notice. The second thing he said, take pity. Now, that doesn't mean pity, oh, oh, poor baby. No, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about compassion. And remember we talked about last week when Jesus had compassion, that word compassion means an aching down deep. In other words, it should bother us to see people hurting. It should hurt us. 
to see our brothers and sisters inside the church or outside the church that are hurting. And then the third is he took action. He took notice, he took pity, and he took action. And when we take action, that means we're going to do whatever we need to do. And I think we've somehow believed the lie that it has to be something big. It has to be something huge for us to do. It has to be something that nobody else is doing or it has to be something. Folks, I'm here to tell you, uh, you, you don't have to do something big to do something great for God. Amen? You don't. You don't have to do something big to do something great for God. Listen, it may be that one shoebox. And we heard that wonderful testimony Thursday night uh, of Elena that come from the Ukraine, uh, former Soviet Union, and that she was given a, a shoebox when she was a child and, and the, the difference that that made in her life. We, we, it, it could be that one shoebox that you fill up. It could be that one prayer shawl that you help knit. It could be that one song that you lead. It could be that one, that one pillowcase for common threads. Or it can be that one meal that you help serve uh, in, in our city. And we're partnering with other places in the city, First Fruit Ministries and the Feast Gathering and others downtown that we're going to help and give you the opportunity to make a difference. And that's what we're called to do. Amen? See, here's the thing I want to leave you with is this. Never underestimate the difference you can make with extra mile caring. Never underestimate the difference you can make with extra mile caring for doing one good thing. There's a story that uh, has been around since the 400s. Actually, I think it was around 404 A.D., and it was about a monk by the name of Telemachus. I always can't say that really good, especially with a southern accent. It's kind of hard to say that word. But Telemachus was a, a, a monk, and, and uh, he decided to take a pilgrimage or a trip to Rome. And, and he started to Rome, and, um, and he, he was there seeing the sights and everything. He had been spending time at a monastery, and he began seeing the sights and all. And all of a sudden, he got caught up in this crowd. There was this big crowd that were, that were you know, uh, all going somewhere. And he said, I don't know where you're going, but I'm going to go with you. And so he just started following. He started following everybody. And, and um, the next thing he knows, he's in the Colosseum, the Roman Colosseum. And, you know, they had stopped the games. And whenever I say games, I'm not talking about the Olympics, all right? I'm talking about, I know that's where that began too. But, but they, they, were, they had blood sport games. I'm talking about worse than the MMA ever was. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, uh, and, and so they, they were doing this, and, and he gets caught up, and he says, well, I reckon I'll see what's going on. And, and so he's watching as these two gladiators fight, and he sees several of them kill one another. And, 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 he's, and what really bothers them is the fact that all the crowd, they're just cheering. They're just cheering it on. And it breaks his heart. And so before you know it, he makes his way out there onto the sand. And he stands between the gladiators. And he says, in the name of Jesus, stop. Some stories or traditions say that he said, in the name of our master, stop. And, and this was after the Roman Empire had become a Christian nation, so, so, so to call. And, and, and so he said, stop. In the name of our master, stop. And one of the gladiators just kind of knocks him down. 
Most stories hold that he got up again, wiped himself off, and he said, in the name of Jesus, stop. And they said that time a gladiator with the, with the order uh, takes a sword and sticks it through Telemachus. And he falls to the ground and blood fills the sand there. Other stories say that he was actually stoned by part of the crowd. But he laid there in the sand. And what happened after that was what was really a miracle. Is that all of a sudden the crowd got silent. As they laid there and watched him die. And then one by one the crowd leaves the Colosseum in silence. And after that event, the emperor said, no more of the blood sport games. No more. And it was because of one man. The Roman gladiator games were ended because of one man. And in that Colosseum, they say there's still a sign as a memorial and an honor to Telemachus for stopping the violence that was celebrated there. Folks, I'm here to say, never know, never underestimate what you can do. Never underestimate the difference we can make. God's just asking us to try. He's just asking us to step out. He's just asking us to get involved and to make a difference in our city. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you. We know that, Lord, it's not always easy to be a neighbor. And we know part of that story is Jesus was really telling that guy, you know, this thing's pretty impossible, so you need me. You need my help. You need my grace. And Lord, just like whenever we say that we have not loved our neighbor as ourselves as part of our prayer confession, Lord, I think we can all look at times in our lives, whether it's with our family, whether it's with our neighbors, people living around us, whether it's with our church, uh, Lord, that we just are not loving our neighbor as you loved us. So Lord, to this morning, this morning, Lord, make it a difference in our life in such a way that we will love you like you've called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen.